you know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people, and that's what we care about. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as always, and I'm joined for this Brentford preview episode by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. And again, I've got our trust member uh, and Luton fan Derek Shepherd alongside me. Gents, how are we doing this evening? I'm fine, thank you. Looking forward to this one, mate. Absolutely. Let's get stuck into it then. Okay, Brentford away then. Uh... Second visit to the GTEC Community Stadium. First one with fans. Obviously, we played there behind closed doors when I think it was Ivan Tony that scored the winner in a 1-0 Brentford win. But James, I hope to God Saturday's a dance out better than the last time there was a crowd at Brentford v Luton because that did not go well in the championship. <laughs> it was a nightmare. When it, yeah, Luton, a different animal uh, compared to that day. Um, uh, much, much more successful, much more resilient Um uh, fingers crossed. You guarantee <laughs> fingers me it's crossed there. You guarantee me it's going to be better. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be better than seven nil in it. I mean, that was a shocker, but, um, yeah, I think, I think they're Brentford are very good. They've played fantastic football ever since Luton got back up in the championship or were playing against them. Um, and they've established themselves in a Premier League team. Um, and they're, you could say them and Brighton are probably the two that you'd look to to sort of emulate. And Luton have always said they're not going to do it those ways, but they've come up from the championship and have really established themselves and played good, played some good football as well. So um, it's going to be a really tough one because you only have to look at the weekend that Arsenal went there and had to rely on a last minute winner to to get something from it. So um, it's going to be difficult, but. Luton have done difficult this week, so a winner was scored by Kai Havertz, so I'd fancy my chances of scoring a winner on Saturday he was Rob Edwards to um pick me. Um but that's neither here nor there. Derek, new ground for all of us Luton fans. Are you someone who uh ticks off all the grounds? Yeah, I turned around and um managed to do like the ninety two, not just watching Luton Town. I did ninety two grounds in the season, which is one of the few people that have ever done it in the country. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday. I I don't have no intrepidation or whatever. And as James turned around and said, we are a different beast this time around than we were two years ago. I will touch upon, like you mentioned about Brighton and Brentford. Um, Brentford don't have an academy. They have a B team. They're fed up of that. Uh, London sides turn around and poaching their young players and fair play to them. It works for them. It's a model that I like Luton turn around and maybe adopt, but I do like to turn around and have sort of the academy because we all like to have one of our own, as they say. Um, Brighton, they've got a scouting system. They've paid, they've paid a lot of money to turn around and have scouts throughout the world. And it's, I mean, We've had rumours or whatever. Mr. Chapel's turned around and been over in South America. We're interested in a lad from Colombia. We're also interested in a lad from uh, Portugal or whatever. And I'm all for it. You know, at the end of the day, these are where we're going to turn around and find these young young people. If we want to turn around and be in the top 
flight of football or they're up or even in the top flight of the championship, these are, we, we've still got to spread our wings. And if they work out and you sell them on later, you make you make mega bucks. But yeah, looking, I'm looking forward, as I say, Kev, back on subject, I'm looking forward to Brighton, I'm sorry, Brentford. And, um, you know, they do come with their own their own style. Um, they are very well met. I do like their manager. He's turned around. He is very astute. And you can turn around and see that when he's on the touchline. You know, it's not his number two or his number three there. He's there. He's giving the instructions. He's the one with the iPad in his hand. And, you know, I mean, he does remind me. Rob Edwards is pretty similar to that, although he really got you know, he does turn around. Rob will use his number two and number three or whatever at times. And, I, you know, I do look at Brentford sort of trying to aspire to at the present moment. You know, can't turn around and be Manchester United or top Motspur or whatever. I do like the Brentford model. And I've got every respect for Brentford. And I think it's going to be a difficult game come Saturday. Yeah, I'd agree with the, all of that. Um they're definitely the ones that we want to follow in the footsteps of and obviously Brighton too. Brighton probably attributed to it more because we kind of followed the same journey that they did in a lot of ways. And obviously there was the attachment with Nathan Jones to Brighton and, and everything else. Uh, Thomas Frank has done a good job at Brentford. There's no getting away from that. But are they as good without Ivan Tony? Well, I mean, he, he was the focal point, wasn't he? And... um they, they've had to change it a bit. Early part of the season, it looked like they'd they, they'd managed to come up with something um, uh, with Mbueno and and Wisa up the top, and they're still very much a threat. Um, so you, know, you can't take them um, lightly. But uh, I, I think they're probably missing the, the 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 firepower from from Tony somewhat. But they've come at a different angle, and, and they're, they're still a threat. I think, particularly uh, with they've still got the pace that they had, um, and and that's going to cause many teams uh, trouble. And it will cause Luton a lot of challenges as well. Obviously, if if, if Marvis isn't playing at the back, then they've got to figure out another way there. Um, so, goal wise, yeah, you'd, you'd probably say so. I think they're averaging what one point four three a game. I don't know how you manage that, but that's what the stats say. Um, and I, I, I would like to see what they had previously because I would imagine it would a bit, bit higher, but you know, they are, they, they, they are scoring. So um, uh, apart from against Arsenal, but that's going to be a case for a lot of teams and hopefully not Luton <laughs> uh, next week. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a real challenge, particularly at, at their place. I think. Yeah. I would um, agree with that. I'm going to have to bite my tongue and everything else to stop avoiding gambling lines in this podcast, <laughs> taking a punt and uh, this, that, and the other. Um, uh, but it was 1.58 goals a game that they they've got actually not 1.43. Uh, so there you go. Well, hopefully, stat fans. <laughs> hopefully, we only get the 0.58 goal from them if the, if they have to score on um, on Saturday. Um, Derek, there's obviously, I mean, you, you're going to miss Ivan Tony, aren't you? I mean, after Harry Kane, he's probably England's best out-and-out centre-forward uh, right now. But, so they play they play in a different way, don't they? They they were kind of direct to start off with, um, got the ball into Tony's feet or, or used his sort of aerial presence. They can't do that now. So now they play on the counter-attack. 
Luton Town like to play on the counter-attack. So we're kind of in that catch-22 situation that we was in last week against Crystal Palace where we don't want the ball, they don't want the ball, but someone's going to have the ball. Are they going to have more of it just purely because they're the home side? The onus is on them to go and win the game, isn't it? I mean, every Brentford fan's going to that game on Saturday looking at it as if we we should beat Luton Town. Yeah, first and foremost, I'll turn around and say Ivan Tony. I think um, if Harry Kane went for 100 million, I know Brentford won 100 million, but, you know, it, it, it'll be sold. If it's not in January, it'll be in the summer. It'll be sold for 80 million, and I think he'll end up at Chelsea, although Arsenal will turn around and want him. But I just think that Chelsea will just turn around and outbid everyone. And he's a good old fashioned striker. He can play with, as he said, with his back to goal, but he's also able to turn around and play with his front to goal. So. He is an animal, but um, going back to what Kevin was saying, I do think, well, there's absolutely 100% that Luton turn around and will not have more than 50% of the ball. So I I look at this, that Brentford will have 60%, Luton will have 40 Brentford will turn around and want to play like Luton, they want to play on the break, and you'll find that the the left-back will be swinging the ball out wide to Mbumo, or he turn around and play down the channel to Visa. He, you know, he's got pace, Visa. And he'll probably only last 70 minutes because that's what has happened normally. No pay will come on after him. At times, if you need to double up, you've got to turn around, you know, down the left or down the right, down Brentford's right. So if Mari Bell is playing and um, Doughty's playing, Doughty's probably got to play a bit more of a defensive role. You can't allow Mbumo that space or whatever and that time on the ball down the right hand side. You've got to cut. You've got to cut a channel off that turns around and feeds the beast. And um, that's probably Luton's best best thing really. To if you can cut out Mbumo, you've cut out half half their strength or whatever. And I know you might turn around. And you'll leave another space elsewhere on the pitch because you're playing two against one. But that space might be further deeper and it doesn't quite so you know it doesn't you've got to look upon it that the home side they're more likely to score but Luton turn around and well capable of exploiting Brentford or whatever they have got a few injuries or whatever then they're not going to be at their maximum strength that they can be same with Luton we've had we've we've got injuries but as I see the sides to turn around and match up I think they're quite evenly balanced you know from if as long as Luton can turn around and as John still was saying, we can control the controllables and turn around <laughs> and take care of one or two people on the pitch and don't give them the time that they that they can turn around and hurt us, then we'll turn around and could be absolutely fine, Kevin. Yeah, Derek's um, right, James. I mean, there's an awful lot of similarities to last week about it. Palace didn't want the ball, but we made them have it. Palace's main threat after Eze was down our left-hand side, their right-hand side, the guy who likes to cut in. Unfortunately, this one... Scored an absolute banger in the top corner. Hopefully, Mbemo uh, doesn't do likewise. But if we can keep him quiet, you have to look through this side. There aren't a great deal more threats in terms of offensive numbers, at least, to worry about. Not not in the... I mean, obviously, when we did the Palace preview, we highlighted Eze and Elise, and Edouard had five goals to his now. I don't know how, because all he did is roll around on the bloody floor. <laughs> but um, he did... There isn't anyone in this Brentford side after Mbemo who's a regular scorer. Johan Weiss is their second highest scorer. He's the kind of Tony replacement, but nowhere near as good as Tony. And then after that, you're looking at Neil Mope. Well, I mean, Cow's asses and Banjo come to mind there. He scored one Premier League goal in 14 months. 
14 months. You put a Kaiba on it, okay? I probably have. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if, in comparison, I mean, Carlton Morris has scored three Premier League goals and then been in Sodden League for three months of it. It's. There aren't many. Normally we flag up three threats, don't we? We're struggling to find three threats from this Brentford side with Tony absent. Well, yeah, because the, the threats do come through those two strikers that we've already mentioned. I think, um, I mean, they're quite a big physical side from what I've, I've seen. And that, um, I think that Luton will relish that, to be honest. I don't think that's anything to be scared of after that Palace game where they, they did just try and, chuck it in the box and, and bully Luton and Luton and having it, then I think that that's not something that Luton need to be particularly afraid of. I think it really is uh, the, the counter aspect and the, and the speed in which they can um, break away. But equally, Luton have got similar abilities um, as as we've seen. We've seen it more at home is the thing though, isn't it? We need to see it a bit more uh, away. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that to you, Derek. I mean, obviously recent away games... We've gone to Man United, we've gone to Aston Villa, we've set up very defensively. You'd understand that. They're two damn good sides. Would you like to see Luton be a little bit more on the front foot here? Because Brentford, with all no disrespect to them, I mean, they're probably only slightly above that league of teams that we think we're competing with. They're at the sort of lower end of the next tier up, really, aren't they? So would you like to see us be a little bit more positive, a little bit more front-footed or are you happy if we set up deep and hit them on the counter-attack again? I don't know if we'll sit as, as, sit as deep. Um, we've, we've looting, well, we respect Brentford at the end of the day and we'll wait for them or whatever. Um, but I do think that we'll turn around and probably create more against Brentford than we have against... I mean, it's fate. I mean, people go on about Man United being in a bad spot. But let's face it, we went there and they had won four of the five previous games in the league. And since we played them, they've gone and won again today or whatever. So they're five from six. And you wouldn't turn around and say, people thought that they were a side out of form, but they were probably in decent form when we went there. But in all reality, on paper, we're not going to turn around and win. Brentford are a side I turn around and see. Brentford are a side between six, six 10th to 14th or 15th in the, in, the, in the Premier League. Well, at the moment, we're 17th. There's no reason why we can't go there and be competitive. And as I said, we ain't going to lose 7-0. First and foremost, I think we'll turn around and put in a positive performance. Where that positive performance takes us is another matter. But I feel relatively confident that Luton Town will turn around and put up a good show we're probably meeting Brentford at a good time because they're not at full, they're not at their maximum strength. They have got a good record. I can't say Griffin Park because they're no longer at Griffin Park, and the the, the new grounds are mouthful to make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, we're Luton Town. We never do what we expect we do or whatever. But this is one sort of game in the uh, away from home that I thought that you know, will we win? Maybe not. Capable of a draw. Certainly are. Yeah, that's fair uh, Fair calls. Let's turn um, the attention back to our team then. Obviously, we're recording this podcast before Rob's um, press conference, as always. Didn't like the vibes over Marvellous Nakamba, I must admit, in terms of his potential to play in this game. But Issa Kabore should be out of concussion protocols by then. I'm pretty sure 
it's less than two weeks. I can't remember the exact day. I think it's 10, 10 days. 10 days yeah. So mm-hmm. he's out of concussion protocols. You would imagine he's available. First of all, does he come back into the side? Does he change a win inside to bring Kabore back into the side? And, um, secondly, yeah, yeah. Would you bring him back into the side? He comes straight back in for me because for, uh, well, not, well, because he doubt he had to go and play over that side. And I think Doughty has been an absolute one of the standout performers this season. I think he's been fabulous. Um, he really has, but he ain't got right foot. <laughs> so in the previous podcast, we highlighted this wonderful ball that Ross Barkley played through to him and he got to the byline and he wasn't, didn't really have the conviction to do anything with, with his right foot off there. And that's not, that's not what we've seen from Alfie Doughty. He's up there for crosses, uh, assists. We've talked about him potentially being a wild card for England but not on the right-hand side. So he's got to go back over the other side and, and Issa comes, comes in and, um, and resumes what they were doing uh, the, the previous couple of games because he was really starting to hit a bit of form, I think. So, um, yeah, I, it was a shame that he, he couldn't come in, but we, we knew after you saw that footage of him getting knocked out, there's no chance now with the, the concussion protocols. And they're the right thing, um, but he wasn't going to play. So um, it was needs must a bit against Palace and I think they were just a bit stunted um, in that respect so hopefully that gives them a bit more freedom to get down the wings Kabore in four I I think that Kabore will come in on the right hand side and I think they'll turn around and play Menge Lockyer and I do and then Osho and I think Amari Bell will be the person not to because I think Doughty then go and play as the left wing back and that's what I think so I think Kabore will, if he comes in, he'll come in and replace Bell, but not like for like position. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can see it, but they, we've also got this thing of Bell. It seems to be very much uh, in the forefront of um, Edwards's pla- uh, thinking. And he played virtually every minute last time, and until he got that injury, he was ever present as well because um, he's such an athlete. I swear he didn't really do anything particularly bad against. I, I mean, I'm selling then. I mean, I, I thought he might should have maybe like tripped up a league something, but on, on the way to his goal. Um, but other than that, for a player that's been out for a month, come more than that, he come back and played really well against Palace. So, um, that's what you want. You want these conundrums to try and figure out because previously it was bare bones stuff, wasn't it? Um, not that they didn't perform admirably, but, um, you know, away from home when perhaps we've already talked about that they're not going to have a lot of the ball and maybe going to have to rely on counters, then you want a bit of pace, don't you? So you've just mentioned the word pace there and I turn around and I see, if we're talking about Ben Bubo, you turn around and obviously pace centres to the right-hand side, I think that that's where Luton Town needs to have a bit of pace on the left and that's where I turn around and see Doughty. Mm. And Osho is, I mean... He came in after being out for what four or five months or whatever, they've missed pre-season or whatever, and still turned around and managed to come up here. And I'd rather have Osho playing on the left-hand side or whatever, or even Locks going over there, and Osho playing in the centre. Um, I I think that we need plenty of pace on that left-hand side to turn around and counteract Bumo. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you on that front. I suppose it's it's well, 
Are we going with a five defence? It swings yeah. around about at the end of the day. It's how, how Rob will turn around and see how he wants to set up. He might want to play three at the back and he might want to turn around and play two deep at midfield players and the two wing backs and then two up front. He might only want to go one up top. It all depends how he wants to set up. But to me, I think that we need plenty of pace down that left-hand side defensively to counteract Mbembo. Given that I can't get a name out of you, who he comes in for, you're playing twelve men on um, Saturday. I, I mean, that'll give us <laughs> that'll give us a bit of an advantage, wouldn't it? <clears throat> well, yeah, I was trying to work it out in my own brain as I was talking, but um, I think yeah, it'd be Is, Issa, Osho, Mengi, Lockyer, and Doughty at the back. So it is Bell that goes. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's both. The, I'm sorry uh, if I talked you into it, James. No, no, I mean. I mean, that's what I was sort of veering towards, but it just does seem to have a bit of a a, a real appreciation for Amari Bell. He does, yeah. I mean, Amari Bell hasn't turned around there and let Luton Town down every time. So when Amari Bell first stepped into Luton Town, he seemed to be a a player that always had maybe one error in him, Mm. and that error turned around sometimes cost a goal. But, you know, through that first season, he improved. Solid last season, yeah. and he's turned around and been solid. But he's turned around and been available this year, so I've got no thing. But I'm just thinking that we need that little bit of pace down that left hand side or whatever to counteract Brentford's strength. So can I throw a curveball at you both then? Oh, thanks, Kev. <laughs> How about we have a back five and hear me out, left to right of Doughty, Bell, Lockyer, Mengi, Kabore, mm-hmm. with Osho and Barkley sat in front of them. Oh yeah, there's always that there because I'll show turn around. Yeah, that's fair. That's right. fair shout, mate. Because I'll show turn around and not let us down when he's played in front of a back four. Back now that means that means I'll show for Pelly, but Pelly went off fairly early against Palace. Not his greatest game. Where are you going to put Ross Barkley? So you'd have Barkley and. Um, Osho alongside each Barkley and Osho alongside each other in front of the defence. But then you'll turn around saying there's no Nakamba. I, well, I think we're. Uh, I'm, okay. Me personally, I'm working on the assumption that there's okay. no Nakamba. Yeah, but I, I remember asking Edwards about this last season that um, when there was a bit of um, uh, a shortage in that area because Osho has played there before and he sees him more as a central defender. I, I, that was last season. Things changed. So maybe that's an option. I I wouldn't be against it because I think he can do that role really well. And what I saw against Crystal Palace was a player that's absolutely confident with the ball at his feet and you need that in that position, and he can tackle obviously as well. He's a he's a defender, but um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against that if that was if that was the route they go down. And he also has pace, so he can play the left hand side of Barkley and also cover and Bemo uh, down that side and almost triple up on him like Palace did with um, with Chio. It's an option, as the boys have said. Rob's got a right old selection headache on his hands with regards to who he picked, but also, as the boys said, that's exactly what he'll be looking at. I think we can all agree, though, that in front of that, it's going to be unchanged, isn't it? Chio, Townsend, uh, Morris—they're the dead of front three again. Don't think anyone's got any any differences on that one. No, I, I think you have to. Uh, um, in the previous one, we were talking about does Chong come in? And he he was really impressive when he came on against Palace, but maybe that's his role for the minute now. He comes on and he really opens up teams up and he's an impact player off the bench because I've I've been impressed with him. The last two home games, particularly when he's come off the bench, he's been really involved, particularly in the goals as well. 
Um, and he just, <clears throat> well, he was involved in the, uh, the winner, wasn't he? Cause he, his movement for the ball, um, to get away and start that move Frost then got it out to Chio and we all know what happened from yeah. there. So he's, he's a talent. He really is. But, um, yeah, I think maybe that's probably his best role for now. Yeah. Um, but it's tough on him because he's been really, he's played really well. I agree with you, James. I mean, I turn around there. I mean, people used to turn around and like, we'll go back a couple of seasons and people turn around and said, Harry Corlick's best role for Luton Town was coming on in the last 20 minutes when the game gets stretched and he can use his pace. I see yeah. that this season with Chong. Yeah. And whatever. And I turn around there and like, whatever happens, you're going to see a far better player next season in TAF Chong than you are this season. And in two seasons' time, you're going to see even a better player. But at the present moment where Luton Town are, he is an impact substitute They'll turn around and can take it out. He, he stretches again because he'll turn around and he'll drive at defenders. Do mm. I see T.H. Chong as an impact as an impact player? Mm. Pretty much like we used Harry Cornick a couple of years ago in the championship. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's fair enough. So I think, you know, front three hasn't got too many selection headaches. I don't think we'll play a front three like Brentford. Well, it's, you know, it, it's... It's a, it's a one with two yeah. either around, side two, that come well, back, don't they? But, yeah, but I very much doubt we're going to go like five, five, two, three or whatever it is, or whatever. No, or, it's a five, four, one, three, isn't it? Fri- I, I do feel we'll play the one loan up the yeah. top. Two widish players will turn around there and play a bit of deeper role. Mm. But those wide players, James, could be really important because Brentford generally set up with wing backs. The only problem they've got is their wing backs are injured. Rico Henry's out. Uh, I think he's out long term. Uh, Aaron Hick is the other one. Yeah. Scotland international. He's also out. Uh, where do Luton do their best work? They do their best work in wide areas. Uh, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Um, Derek's already highlighted it that we need that pace down the wings and uh, and for that reason because if you're going to play on the counter anyway you're going to have to get up there and you go up to make best use of the ball when you get it if they're going to have a bit more possession which we probably think they will have um, <clears throat> just by nature of them being the home side not necessarily what they've currently achieved this this season with the ball but um, that's okay you know Luton are used to playing that way and it's not doesn't frighten anyone that Um but you, you do have to have the pace. And um, it, I, it was interesting, wasn't it, against Palace that, uh, as you've already mentioned, that they were tripling up on Gio at times because he's such a threat. And he still got joy as well. He, a couple of times he ran at Ward and Anderson um, and <clears throat> frightened the life out of them. They only so. had two and a Watford reject, I'll say around the you in the second <laughs> half. Well, the, the fact that um, one of them was Joel Ward anyway, you could argue they only doubled up on him Well, they anyway. probably only had one and a Watford reject <laughs> and a geriatric Kev. Yeah, Chio's uh, eyes must have lit up when he saw him in front of him. But that sort of that shows the respect that he's earning for himself in this division, but it also shows you can stick three on him and he'll still run past you. So... Um, yeah, he's a, he's a really exciting prospect. I did when I spoke to him after the Palace game, he was limping a little bit, but it, I think that they, he was sore anyway. We've spoken about before the game; we're going to have to manage that. But um, he, he didn't show any signs in the match of uh, feeling any sort of tightness or worry about his hamstring or his ankle because yeah, he was off and away all the time and 
James, you have to be a bit more adventurous because if I was speaking to Chow, I'd be turning around and saying to him, every time you get that ball, keep driving into the box because when you turn around and attacking people at pace and there's two or three people, you knock the ball beside them, it only takes a trailing leg and you're down. And it's Chio, with all his thing, ain't got much of a left peg really at the end of the day. When he's playing out left, he'll turn around, he'll check back and go back inside. So I'll just like him to turn around and keep driving and driving and driving, regardless if he's on the right or the left. Mm. Because we all know in football, pace hurts any team. Mm. Yeah, mates, uh, reminds me that they said um, at the weekend, Jeremy Doku uh, went past Trent Alexander-Arnold more than any player uh, in the Premier League this season. And I thought, well, yeah. that's only because Chio uh, done his hamstring and went off 15 minutes from the end. Otherwise, he'd have uh, he'd have gone past <laughs> yeah, him. Probably so, Kev, yeah. He'd have gone past him enough. Yeah, uh, Chio, getting Chio on the ball is obviously going to be key in this game. There's no doubt about that. But even if they do double or triple up on him, that only frees up an Andros Townsend or, or dare I say, it, a Carlton Morris or, or someone to um, potentially, you know, show that they've got the quality to. Um, to deliver the goods, so uh, well, I really... Issa was doing that against Liverpool as well. So there's yeah, on the other Issa, side, too. Barkley. I mean, there's there's so many options in this side now, and, and and that's why I'm quite confident that we can go there and get a result. We've always got options, you know. Chio comes in, and there's all someone flying on the overlap, and the same on the other side. We when we get so we might go direct until we get in the final third of the field. And you'll look at it, then we get in the final third of the field, the ball might go off for a throw-in or whatever. But from there on, we try to turn around and control the ball and play football. But more and more now, we're playing a kind of different direct uh, as well because Ross Barkley's direct, isn't he? But he's not direct in the hoof it up to the strikers. No, he's, he's direct, he yeah, runs yeah, direct he, at he's the opposition. Driving, he's driving at the opposition, that's correct. And, yeah. you know, people say, oh, direct football, you whack it up to your strikers. Well, actually, Ross Barkley's direct mm. because he directly runs straight at you. And you can say the same that's still Chiro. direct, Chiro isn't it? hit the ball on the halfway line, he's still around here. He might knock it 10 yards behind, uh, in front of the fullback, because he knows over a race of 15 yards, he's going he's to get there it. first, mate. And that's it. You know, there was, you know there's, there's always one way to skin a cat. There's playing direct, and then there's turn around and playing direct in different ways, where we play yeah, down the channels or whatever. And that's that's our four acres. Sides want to put it out. We've got possession in, in their final third, our throw in or whatever, our corner. We can dictate the play. Yeah, it's kind of seen as like this negative thing being direct, but. Well, I mean, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I mean, apart from the first 20 minutes against Palace when it was just a, a bit aimless. But um, when they get it right, Luton have now got a midfield that is not a million miles away from the striker because that's when it, when you play that and you've got an isolated man like Cole Morris up on his own who can play with his back to the goal and hold the ball up. But if he's got no runners or anyone to bring the ball onto him, then it's a diff- different game. But when you've got someone like, Townsend, who unbelievable battery that he's got. He's still getting back to fitness as well, and obviously got taken off um, in the second half. And the reinforcements that came on were amazing. Um, but you've got Jordan Clark that came on as well, and I thought for his first home out in the Premier League, um, he did really well. He needs that sort of player that probes as well. One great ball with the outside of his boot down to the wings um, against Palace, and you, you sort of thought. That's what we've been missing. Not necessarily missing from Luton team, but from him because he, he yeah, he's, the number, that. he's the number ten for me. He turns around and sits in. Yeah, uh, 
well, we call it, you could call it the top of the diamond, but we don't play the diamond or whatever. But he's a sort of like the false nine or whatever. He turns around and just sits behind yeah. Morris or whatever, and he can turn around and go either way. Forget his pass. The tackle on Will Hughes is what we were missing. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what we were missing, son. Who? Wallop. Who? Yeah, on the scummer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, mate. Got it. <laughs> Wallop, that's what we were missing. Uh, so there are plenty of ways that Luton can get at this Brentford side, and actually they might match up fairly well to us because we're not going to let them counter-attack so we're just going to sit too deep and even if they do we've got pace in the wide areas yeah. where they attack and they're missing their two wing backs they can be exposed you know I can see yeah I can see this one being a, a profitable game before I get your score predictions gents one last question is this a bigger game on Saturday because of the two that follow it, Derek? I.e., have we got to get something from this game? Because let's be realistic, the two that follow are unlikely to yield too much in the way of points, and that's just being realistic. I don't. Well, I don't quite see it like that. I just turn around. I think the Luton Town have got to turn around. They've got to pick out like six sides. So I turn around and see it as Sheffield United, Burnley, ourselves, Everton, Fulham. Bournemouth sickening Palace or whatever I think Brentford are a bit better than the Palace side or whatever um, over a season or whatever um, we've just got to turn around and take care of business in amongst us or whatever and the more sides that we can turn around and drag in with us the better it is because if you know if there's people say it's there's only four teams going to get relegated. I mean, you've got a 25% chance of surviving or whatever. You get six sides to turn around, you've got a 50% chance of surviving. Just take care of business. Go about your business away from home. Try to turn around and keep it as tight as possible. Stay in the game as long as possible. If you nick a goal and you go one in front, you're going to adjust the game plan or whatever. If you turn around and you're only a goal down, you're going to adjust the game plan in the last 10, 15 minutes. At the end of the day, I'd rather turn around and see Luton go and lose 2 3 nil away from home, chasing the game when you're 1-0 down, than turn around and just settle for a 1-0. And that's where we came a cropper at Brian, and that's where we came a cropper at Chelsea. And that's just, you know, that's probably Rob Edwards' way. You know, at the end of the day, we don't, you can't go fair in anyone or whatever. And I just think, you know, just take each game as it comes. I'll never turn around and say this is a must-win game because this is football is a crazy, mate. I'll turn around. We've all lost. I mean, a must-win game against Hyde United or whatever at home, Kevin. We turn around, <laughs> get turned over. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, a game of football is decided. I mean, you could turn around and play the same game hundred times over, and you turn around there. You, you know. You're not going to turn around and say, if we played Liverpool 100 times, we ain't going to lose 80 out of 100. And most people, the betting office or the bookmakers would have Liverpool fives on or whatever, you know. It ain't going to happen. And that's just the way football is. It's just unpredictable. You're getting us just into Ivan around. Tony yeah, Sorry, ter- territory. I'm not, I'm not betting on the penalty like <laughs> Ivan Tony. Sorry. <laughs> Same question to you. Is it must win because of the two that follow? Sorry, not must win. Is it must get something out of because of the two that follow? That one. Yeah, it, it's must get something out of them because um I just did in a good should I just to interrupt sorry not just the two that follow it's also Burnley v Sheffield United on Saturday is there any chance they can both lose well they'll both try to lose (laughs) there's absolutely no danger of that it doesn't matter if either if one of them wins we're still turning around regardless of our result we're still in still in front of them and the other side is still going to turn around and be that points them out behind us as they are now that's the way I turn around and, and just see it. It's the two that that follow, though. They're the top two from last season. They're the I top look, two sorry, right now. Before James answers, I look at December and I turn around and I see 
Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth away and Sheffield United away, they are the sort of games we need three points out though. You know, we need to win at least one of those two games and come away with a bit more than three, say, three points. They're the two main important. Listen, when we saw December, I was on this Sky Sports thing. The first thing I referred to was December looks horrendous. I mean, at the end of the day, you got like you got Man Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle United. Well, that's three of the four top teams for last year, and then Chelsea. The amount of money they spent, I thought. Well, there's another side, the next top four tier, or whatever. I'm thinking, where are we going to get a point at home? So I look at them. Our two games in December, whatever, regardless of Brentford or whatever coming up here, is they are the key games. And then I look at in January and February, there's always the odd game or whatever. And I turn around, we can get through December picking up some points. If we only get four points from now until New Year's Day or whatever, and then past the FA Cup third round, would I be happy? No, I want more. Obviously, I'm greedy, but around there I'll take it because I know that there's lighter waters as they turn around and say after that and then we get more choppy waters and then lighter waters yeah the fixtures do um, level themselves out a little bit as we go into Mm. the new year but where are you on Saturday then in terms of the overall picture because it's a it's a tough December as we know it is I mean I think it's a winnable game um, but I'd I'd settle for a point as well so um but I, yeah, I think it's one where don't go into those two games that we'll we all know are coming up on the back of a defeat. So it's more of a don't lose scenario for me. It's a, it's a way as well, isn't it? But we all know that we. What's so you going nil nil then, James? Oh wait, do we don't, I can't reveal the correct scores before <laughs> um, before the end. Everyone's uh, on tenterhooks for James's correct score. Um, as as always, that is for sure. Uh, the one thing I will say, of course, which we do need to touch on before I get your correct scores, Saturday could be the day. Could be the day that all this cobblers about us not getting Derby's points record is, can finally end and idiots out there can shut shut up and concentrate on Burnley or whichever sack of shit loses that <laughs> other game. And they're the ones that break Derby's points record because we yeah, can get yeah. to 12 points with a win on Saturday. Well, I think that those people that have been saying that have gone awfully quiet in the last couple of weeks anyway. So I think that's that's going to happen. That'll, that'll be on the cards anyway. But whether that's at Brentford's different matter. But um, I, I, just, I just think Luton, we're going to get so much out of that Palace win. The three points, obviously, you, you get the um, monkey off your back of the first home win. But just how gritty they were to get it. I think that... You can go away and play virtually any team in the league with that sort of mentality and you've got a chance of getting something. I'll remind you of that when we go to Manchester City. Um, I'd like to remind everyone, can you remember when we turned around there in League 2 just before we were getting relegated this, and there was that corner of the Brentford I was crowd gonna, who turned around at Griffin Park and turned around and said, we'll never play you again. I was going to Unfortunately, finish. we've turned around and done two games and now we're going to have you in the Premier League. I was going to finish this podcast with that. You ab- Sorry, you, Kevin. You absolutely nicked my, <laughs> uh, you've nicked my thunder there, but um, you're more than, you've fully, fully well done to We'll never um, play you again. Well, unfortunately out. you are, mate. You are indeed, yeah. And you're not only playing us again, you're playing us as equals as well. And uh, that's the most important thing. Right. End of the podcast. Correct score predictions. James, you'd go first. I'm not going to go for nil-nil because it 
uh, we don't as, keep clean sheets. As much as Kaminsky deserves one, we haven't managed to do it so far. So I think it'll be a score draw, though, and I will go for. I'm going to go for one all. Derek, correct score, mate. Well, I did say one all before this, but now he's mentioned Kaminsky won't keep the clean sheet. I'm going to go nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> nil nil fair enough uh, i'm very much with james once again for the second week in a row and it does pain me to be in that position but i am uh one one draw i'll be more than happy with a one one draw i do think we score uh, i'm absolutely comfortable with that if kai havertz can score i'm sure as hell we can but like you say we are finding clean sheets difficult to come by and no doubt someone will ping one in from 35 yards like a an annoying um have the faith. At least they go like the other day. But yeah, I, I know I'm comfortable that we get something from this game. I do think they match up well to us and uh, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully um, that's how it plays out. If you're one of the 1,700 and so that have got a ticket on Saturday, loud and proud as always, uh, boys will need us more than ever in this coming month and I'm sure we'll definitely deliver in the terraces as uh, they will do on the pitch. That's it for this episode of the podcast because Derek stole my thunder and I can't use that Brentford uh, not playing us again line. But You'll I'd... never play us again. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to thank Derek and James for um, joining me for this episode. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me on, Kevin. You're more than welcome, mate. We'll see you again later in the season, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, thank you for watching or listening however you consume this podcast if you haven't already subscribed to our youtube channel please do the more subscribers we get the higher the numbers the better it helps our podcast and the further that we can reach it uh, far and wide uh, keep your comments coming in give us your score predictions if you uh, give us the score prediction before the game and it's correct we'll shout you out in the review podcast which will come out on Monday morning we'll get that out as early as we possibly can because obviously Arsenal was on Tuesday night uh, the following week until then though my thanks to the Hightown Club for hosting the podcast to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for the intro music to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on this set and again to you for watching or listening until next time come on you atters Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're